Thank you. You got to love Aaron and Josh. That was awesome. Thanks so much. Um, hey, we are excited about what God is doing here at Calvary, and it has been great digging into this series in the Gospel of Mark, this biography of Jesus' life. And uh, I know I've just been excited about how it's been going this far, and what we're in now is this part, uh, this little middle part of Jesus' unexpected way. It's this part where he is on the way from the region of Galilee into the region of, or the city of, Jerusalem, where he'll enter that last week of his life. And so now he's on the way. And today, the, the part that we're talking about today is actually all about this moment where Jesus uh, interacts with some kids. Even a couple weeks ago, maybe you remember, we talked about Jesus talking about children again. I even held a baby up here, my little grandnephew, and that was fun and sweet and all that. But that was where Jesus said, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. But then today we're going to be looking at this passage in Mark 10 that says, hey, we should be like a child. We should be like such as these, he said. And so I thought as a way of kind of getting us into this thing with children and thinking about that, we could just have a little fun, play a game like kids do, and uh, maybe do a little guessing game. Now this is uh, a game where there will be pictures of people that you might see on this stage quite a bit, okay? This is a picture of them when they're a kid. You have to try and guess who they are, all right? So here we go. First one. You've got, uh, maybe you see it better up there, but you've got this cute little guy with this kind of hippie dad. Who do you think this is? Shout it out. All right, so here it is. Sorry if you're a guest today. This is going to be a hard game. But here's who it is. Matt Doan, Pastor Matt Doan. Oh, isn't he precious? A little blonder than I thought he'd be. Um, all right, anybody one for one? You're all terrible. All right, let's go. We got a fresh start. It's grace for everybody. Here we go. <laughs> Look at this little baller. I don't think he's a Dodgers fan, so sorry to you guys who are all excited today. Um, any guesses? You're right. Josh Wathen, our, one of our worship pastors here. Yes. So cute. So adorable. Looks the same today. All right. Um, <laughs> I had to do it. Okay. So how about this guy? I think this one's a little easier, right? Shout it out. Matt Davis, that's right. Anybody got two? Raise your hand if you got two. Raise your hand if you got one. All right, you're doing well. This one, you guys are going to love. I'm so excited about this next one, okay? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who is it? That's Ron Rogalski, everybody. From the great white north and the great fashionable north as well. That's amazing. Ron, you're a beautiful man. You've aged well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. A little blonde guy with his mom. Any thoughts? Here's a clue. This is him in high school. <laughs> I mean, I look sad about myself. That's me, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I feel mostly sad for the girl I went to that dance with. I don't know who that was, but... All right, so that's, that's fun. That's all we got, but uh, anybody, get, anybody get three? Nobody got four because, yeah, you all cheated. Uh, oh, wow, Shell. okay. <laughs> Good job. Uh, but just remembering, thinking about, and, and for you, think about what was it like when you were a kid? You know, remembering what life 
was like when you were little. When I was little, I, I did. I grew up in a Christian family, Christian home, went to church. That was part of my life. So I was one of those kids that actually sang Jesus Loves Me as a little kid, and I was part of those nativity scene plays that you'd have at your church and wearing like a little shepherd outfit and, you know, doing all that kind of good stuff. Like life was simple. Life was, you know, seemingly beautiful when I was a kid. And I was thinking about um, this one thing that happened sort of recently in the last year to me. Uh, about a year ago, that was during this, this time of my life, that was a strange time in my life, and maybe in the life of our church, is where I was that in-between when I'd been announced as maybe going to be the senior pastor of Calvary, but then there was going to be a vote in about, you know, about 10 months or 10 weeks, I mean, 10 weeks. And I was in that in-between time, and life was a little crazy. And I remember having this time of just solitude and silence before the Lord, and it was in that kind of longer extended time of, of solitude with God where I just had... This, this moment of God uh, showing me the face of Jesus smiling at me and being delighted with me as his child. And that was a very, very meaningful moment. And I was thinking about that moment in light of what we're talking about today because I think what, what God did for me in that moment was show me or remind me of how I saw Jesus when I was a little kid. That I saw his face smiling and his eyes twinkling with delight in me, right? Like that's what God was reminding me of in that moment is how I saw him when I was a little, that little kid. And then I kind of like, I love this painting, this image of Jesus just dancing with these children, that Jesus is just, this is what Jesus maybe was like with the kids, just joyful and, and, and delight with them and enjoying them and loving those kids. And so I want for us to get ourselves back today into what it was like to be like a child, okay? Because that's what today's about, is about being like a child. So I want to read this passage that we have for today in Mark 10, 13 to 16. It's a short little passage. It says this. It says, they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. So these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, not for healing, actually, but for a blessing. They wanted their kids to be blessed, to be touched, have uh, Jesus lay hands on them and bless them in some way. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But it says the disciples rebuked them. Probably rebuking the parents, hopefully, and not the kids. But, but when Jesus saw this, it says he was indignant. Okay, so these disciples are, they're always, they're, they're so worried about their exclusive access, their kind of, their position with Jesus. They're going to keep arguing about this, even in this very same chapter. They're going to continue to do this again. We'll, we'll read about this in a couple weeks. But you've got the disciples all kind of focused on these wrong things, and Jesus is indignant with them for rebuking these children, rebuking these parents, maybe, and, and sending them away. So he's, he's disappointed. He's angry, he's pained, he's grieved with what they are doing. And he says these words, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He doesn't even say the kingdom of, of God belongs to these kids right here. He says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, people like these kids. 
Then he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. So we think about this, we think about God's kingdom, and God's kingdom belongs to those with a childlike faith. And it's even interesting to look at where this story is placed, okay, and even how it was chosen, because you got to remember that Mark is selecting parts of, you know, these few years in Jesus' life to share with us. We are not getting every single moment line by line, and we're seeing these moments, and we see him talk about Jesus teaching about divorce last week. We talked about the passage prior. And really, Jesus, in that moment, he's, he's actually, in a lot of ways, elevating women in that moment. Because they were just so cast aside and treated as worthless. And Jesus says, no, that's not how they're to be treated. That's not how you should treat marriage or these women. And then the passage right after this is the passage that we'll talk about next week about the rich young ruler. A person with all the power, with all the authority, who gets it all wrong. But then he goes to this one, we're right here, right smack dab in between, the story about these little kids and says, they're the ones that get it all right. So we want to look at where this is all placed and what God is doing. Because this whole thing of, of being childlike all right, now, a lot of times we think, okay, to be like a child, does that mean to be precious and cute like I was when I was a little baby boy? <laughs> uh, I think I was a lot cuter than I am now, that's for sure. But um, it's just, we think about these kids as innocent and pure and just so, like, perfect or something, you know, unless you actually have kids, and then you stop thinking that way. But um, it's, it's this thing where we do think of these kids as, as how much we love kids in our time. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago, children in the first century were not thought about like that. They were thought about as worthless and as like just a drain on your resources. That's really what the thing was. Yet they were a waiting game. They were an investment for that you, you would hope would pay off later when they can help out the family. But they had no class, like they had no status in the kind of class structure of society. They were looked down upon. They were kind of shooed away. They weren't beloved like, like kids are in our time now. And so these first century kids, when Jesus says to be like them, people think, no, nobody wants to be like a kid. Kids are worthless. Kids are just taking from us constantly, and they don't give anything. Now, in this moment, when you think about that, and you think about kids, and you think about their, what, what they were like, I want you know, to think about maybe even this question of what was something you believed when you were a little kid, but now you kind of got jaded or cynical about, and maybe you don't believe that anymore. It could be something light. I just want you to kind of get yourself in your kid headspace. It could be the tooth fairy or Santa, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Like there was that kind of belief that you had in something light. But there's also... I think some heavier things that we thought when we were kids that we lose. Maybe some things that all people are good, right? That we can talk to anyone. Maybe it's that God can heal. 
Maybe it's that God loves me no matter what, right? Like there's these certain things I think that we, we thought when we were a kid, but now we start to lose as we grow older. But I also want you to think about who was it that took care of you when you were little? Where did you go to for comfort? And this could be, I, I recognize this could be a painful question for some. And maybe it wasn't from who you were supposed to get it from, but you're here today, so you got, you, you're here, so you went somewhere to be provided for by someone. And think about how dependent you were when you were little. Like how much you absolutely needed someone else to take care of you. I think about my, my sweet, amazing, wonderful wife, B. And when she was five years old, her father had passed away, and her mom was very, very ill with early onset Alzheimer's. And when she was five, she was making her own lunch, and she was making her own breakfast, and she would walk herself to school. And she was taking care of herself. But at the same time, that could not sustain. That could not last. Someone took her in. Her half-sister took her in and adopted her into her family then eventually. And so she was dependent upon that person. So for a time, we can even take care of ourselves, even when we're super vulnerable. But then we, we need someone else. And that's the headspace that you need to be in to think about being like a child. Because that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about being innocent or pure or being fun-loving even like a kid. He's talking about utter dependence. Children know eventually that they, they can't earn, right? They can't, really can't earn anything. They can try, but event, you know, they really can't earn anything. They need to receive. They need to be given things. And, and even, <laughs> you think about kids, they have to be fed. They have to be kept clothed. They have to be kept alive, like toddlers. You know, when we think about parenting, when my kids were toddlers, the whole thing of parenting toddlers is just making sure they don't put their hand in a fire, stab themselves with the knife that they pick up, running into the parking lot or the streets. You know, we're just freaking out. Like I was thinking about at, um, at the last beach baptisms. I remember being down there and some, some friends here in the church were there with their little toddlers. And my kids are a little older now. And I was just like watching them live their life down there by the cliffs you know, overlooking the cove where we do the baptisms. You've got all these bonfire circles. You've got the ocean. You've got stranger danger. I mean, you had all of this stuff. And they're just like constantly just trying to make sure these kids are staying alive, right? And I remember walking by and thinking, man, that looks exhausting. And I was like, that's hard, right? I'm like, I don't even know where my kids are right now. <laughs> I really didn't. And they're just gone. And, and like... But that's the thing of just when your kids are little in that phase, they're just completely dependent. And as humans, we need to outgrow this. But as followers of Jesus, we need to absolutely not outgrow that part of how we relate to God. Yes, we mature in our faith, but to be able to mature well... We actually, in this weird upside-down, opposite kind of way, have to main, like, keep and maintain this level of dependence, of utter dependence on God. Even when it feels like the opposite of how a person should mature and grow is staying dependent. And so that's important for us 
to, to kind of get into that mode of being like a child. Um, I don't know if you know, but some scholars talk about the, this gospel of Mark as a new exodus, kind of a new take on the book of Exodus. And what happened back in the original book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, okay, second book, you've got uh, of the Bible, you've got the people of Israel. The people of Israel are enslaved by the Egyptians, okay? So they're in slavery and they are crying out to God for a deliverer. And as they cry out to God for a deliverer, as Moses, this guy Moses had run away from Egypt and now they're, they're crying out and God calls out to Moses and says, I want you to lead my people out. And so Moses does and he goes and with God's mighty wonders and works and power through these plagues and through the parting of the Red Sea, Moses leads the people of Israel out of their bondage, out of their slavery, out of Egypt, Exodus into towards the promised land that God has for them. And they're wandering the desert and God of God gives them his, his law, his words, and God shows Moses his glory. And then as they're heading towards the promised land, they're almost there. And they send in these spies to check out the land. And they're checking out the land. And uh, the spies then come back. And all but a couple of them say, you know what? It is a beautiful land. It's got everything we need. But the, the people there are too strong. There's giants there. They're too strong. There's no way we could do this. There's no way we could take this land for ours. A couple of Caleb, Joshua are saying, no, yeah, we, we actually can. You guys, what, what are you talking about? We got this, right? Like, they're trusting in God. And what happens in the midst of this moment, though, is that God says to them, because of your fear, your stubborn hearts, because you've forgotten my wonders. You saw me work in these amazing wonders as you came out of Egypt. And now you've forgotten. Because of that, you're going to keep wandering the wilderness until all of you are dead. And your kids will be the ones that get to go in to the promised land. And this new Exodus, and that is what happens, and God works new wonders, and waters part again, and the Jordan River parts for them to go into the promised land, and he's renewing the story, and he's renewing then the story again in the gospel of Mark as this people are crying out for a deliverer, for a Messiah, for a Savior, and God sends them one, but they don't really like the one that he sent, and he says it's the children that get it. And so have we forgotten the wonders that God has worked in us? Or the way we responded to his wonders when we were a kid? The way we responded to the, the stories of God in the Bible when we were little and just so amazed at the, the works and wonders of God. I want us to get ourselves into that space of remembering that and relying on that. And I think we can be a little bit like this little girl, it's a grainy video, but this little girl that I'm going to show you is one that responds to God in the most amazing way at this, this uh, healing story in her life. Check it out. What? Jesus healed me from my mouth. What did you do? I prayed to God and it made me feel better. Wow, and then what happened? And then what happened, I feel better. <laughs> so what did you say? 
And so what do you say? That's so awesome. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you get it right. It doesn't matter if you've got the details. Your heart and passion and love for God who has healed you, who has saved you. And he's, the thing with these kids, right? Kids do, as we say, you know, kids say the darndest things. Kids do the craziest things. But it, it's true that it's a little kid that will talk to someone in the grocery store that they don't know. And then maybe even I've, I've heard these stories of, of a relationship starting between the parents and this, this person that people would talk to. Or they'll just, they'll just touch your face, right? We don't touch people's faces. That's weird. Like, but a little kid, if a little kid touches your face, you're like, oh my gosh, a little kid touched my face. <laughs> you know, it's like so cute and great. You love that when a baby does that. Uh, but all of that, that that thing where these kids are willing to say things, they're willing to do anything. And so to pr put yourself there in your mind, to picture that, to picture that kind of childlike faith. And I believe that this childlike faith is expressed at its best through faith, through total faith and just complete dependence. When Jesus says, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Okay? Like a child is through this, again, through this total faith and dependence. And again, it's so counterintuitive to be like a child in the first century that Jesus uses this whole truly I say to you thing. I mean, sometimes he even says truly, truly I say to you when he wants to emphasize something even more. That's what he's doing. He's emphasizing this point. Whenever you see that, when you see truly I say to you or truly, truly I say to you, Jesus is trying to hone you in on something. He's saying, pay attention. Listen up to this. He's saying, seriously. He's even saying, honestly, right? Truly. How many of you, like, bag on people that say, well, honestly, I think blah, 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 or, or genuinely blah, 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 and you think, like, oh, you shouldn't, why do you say that? Were you lying the rest of the time? Well, guess what? Jesus wasn't lying the rest of the time, and Jesus does it, so WWJD, don't bug people that say honestly, okay? Um, that's, <laughs> but it's, it's for point of emphasis. That's the point. It's not that they're lying the rest of the time. It's for point of emphasis. And so this emphasis, what he's emphasizing is, is that, the gospel, the good news of salvation, all of this, the essence of it is that we have to be totally dependent on the other, on God himself for us to be saved, for us to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. It is not about what we earn. It is not about how good we are or how long we've been faithful. It is about completely being dependent on him. And so what Jesus does to kind of help us with this, what, we've, well, what we can do is sort of look back to see how did he set up his whole mission. So even in this, in the book of Mark, how did he set up his mission in this? Well, we go right to his first words in the book of Mark, Mark 1.15. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, so what we're supposed to do is repent and believe in the gospel. 
Repent means to acknowledge your sin, your unworthiness. Acknowledge that you are not worthy and then turn from sin. But to believe in the gospel, what that means is you believe both in your mind, your heart, and in your actions in the good news. In the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. So we have to believe in the fact and believe in the fact that Jesus does the work. We can't earn it. He is the one that saves us. So we believe in that and that allows us to be able to repent and turn from our sin. So that's how he sets the whole thing up. And then in the next chapter right there at the beginning in Mark 2, Jesus says, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so Jesus is reminding you that what his mission is about. My mission is to come here as the great physician, and I have not come for those who think they are righteous already. I've come for those who can acknowledge their sickness, can acknowledge that they need a healer, and I will come and heal them. It's like uh, a little kid, so we want to get back to little kids with this. You think about when a little kid is out playing and they, they get cut. They cut their arm super bad. A little kid's response is not, oh man, I better go and I better put some direct pressure on this. I should probably then clean it, apply some sort of antiseptic treatment or something, and then maybe some antibiotic ointment and then place a bandage upon this this wound, right? Like they don't think, I got to take care of this myself. When a little kid's out playing and gets a bad cut, they scream and then they run to their mommy or their daddy, right? Like that's the response. And so in that way, our response when we are cut, when we have our sin, is to cry out to our Father, to run to Jesus and ask him to heal us. That's having a childlike faith. Okay, not thinking, well, I'm going to take care of this myself, and i got to just work this, you know, work this Bible memorization plan a little harder, and then I think Jesus will love me and accept me for who I am. You know, like that's, I'm not bagging on Bible memorization, that's a good thing, but we don't earn anything through that. We contend to think that we might even deserve salvation for how we act, for how long we've been faithful and then some of us, on the other end, might never believe that we deserve it, even, you know, even with God doing it, that we're too bad even for God, and we've diminished his power. But we remember that it's the lowly, it's the broken, it's the contrite who know that they need God's grace, and they're the ones that receive it. There's a, in your outline, there's a bunch of info on that, a bunch of verses that you can read that talk about that. And then especially as we get into this last point, for the day that we won't really have time to just really dig into. There's some more information there for you to dig into. Because what happens then is as these kids act like kids should and just go to Jesus, and as we act childlike, we see that Jesus blesses the children here in this story, and I believe Jesus blesses the childlike. And you could see in that outline what that means to bless, to, to praise, to give thanks, to speak, good to speak good words is really what that means, to bless. But there's something a little bit more even than good words being spoken going on in this kind of blessing. And that's what some of that writing there is about. There's, there's a level of kind of commissioning. There's a level of 
giving authority or passing on something from, from father to child is what happens with these blessings as we read throughout the scriptures. There's, it's even just in Jewish life, and there's this cool thing of just a, a typical fatherly blessing would be to say to his son, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And then he would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance to you and give you peace. That was this priestly blessing or the ironic benediction that, that we pray here at the end of our service. But that a father would say to his son or to his daughter as he's passing this on. That Jesus blesses them and wants to bless them and is maybe in that exodus kind of way imparting upon them something to be able to take this into the future. So as we respond to this, I want us to respond with this heart of dependence, okay? This whole thing of, of remembering our need to be dependent upon the other. In a culture and in our country, which is great, we're all about being independent, but that makes it hard for us when it comes to this text to be dependent upon God. And so uh, we just included in your outline as well just a prayer of dependence, that you can just pray to the Lord. You can pray whatever you want to God about this. I just encourage you to, today to talk to God about wanting to be more dependent upon him. Wanting to trust in him. But this one, and you can pray this as we sing and as we worship. You can pray, dear Lord, I want to learn to trust you with all my life. The good and the bad. I say not my will but yours. I thank you that I'm unique and that you carefully fashioned me in a special way. Help me to learn what you want me to learn and to go the way you want me to go during this season. Help me not to make my own plans and then ask you to bless them. Teach me to listen to you and then do your will wholeheartedly. Forgive me for all the times in my life where I've forced my own plans and will. And change me to be the one who lays everything at your feet. And you can continue to read this, and you can continue to process through this, but that's the kind of prayer I want us to be able to pray today. To say, Lord, I want to be more like a child. I want to be completely dependent on you and recognize that I can't earn it, I can't do it, I don't have it all together for me. And so as we, as we respond with that, we have a chance now to receive our offering. As we begin to sing and worship, we'll be receiving our offering. And I think even, you guys, this, this act of giving as we give our offering, I think this is a very, very important way that we can practice this kind of dependence. That money is the number one way that we control our lives and our destiny ourselves, right? And holding on to that is holding on to it in fear that if I let go of it, I will lose control of my life and my destiny. But as we give, I don't know about you, but what happens to me is I think it should be terrifying. But, and it's terrifying until as I do it, then there's somehow it's relieving, right? It releases that control. I believe God ministers to us in that moment. So that's why we give cheerfully and abundantly because we know that God is doing something and working in us. So I'm going to pray in a moment, and then the, well, the offering will be passed. And as the offering then passes by you, feel free to come and to take communion, to receive prayer at the prayer points, to go into the prayer room if you'd like. Let's pray for that now. Heavenly Father, we 
We love you. We thank you. For passages like this that, that you come in and you say to be like a child and to be something opposite of what we would expect, Lord. Thank you for these unexpected lessons that you give us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us of how we can actually live this out. How we can have faith in you. How we can be dependent upon you even to have faith in you, God. And Lord, as we give, I pray that you would minister to our hearts and show us that you are the one that owns it all, that is in control of our lives and our destiny, and we are not. And so I pray, God, that you would minister to our hearts as we give. Lord, use these words to help us grow. In Jesus' name.